please remain standing for the reading of Scripture, which comes to us out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We read verses 26 through 33. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words, pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. We continue our Advent worship series entitled The Wonder of Christmas today. Uh, you'll have to pardon, you can probably hear my voice crack a little, a little bit, it's, it's going out and I've been dealing with that, so I do have a cough drop in, so you'll have to deal with that if you're looking at my mouth when I preach, I apologize, uh, but you will appreciate later that I'm starting with a cough drop and not having to substitute it later, so. We'll start this morning with a little poetry. Um, if you have this memorized, like I had to have it memorized in school, uh, then feel free to join with me. Now, I don't have it memorized anymore. That was years ago. Uh, but you'll figure out what I mean as soon as I start. Are you ready? <clears throat> now, my, my poetry reciting skills aren't the best, but I'll do what I can. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, <laughs> wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn, my love. And I'll no longer be a Capulet. Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art myself, thou not the Montague. What's Montague? Is it nor hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man? Oh, be some other name. What's in a name that which is called a rose? By any other name would smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain the dear perfection which he owes without that title. Romeo doth thy name, and for that name which is no part of thee, take all myself. <laughs> I told you they weren't great, but <clears throat> anybody ever remember hearing that or having to memorize that? Anybody still have PTSD from reciting that in front of class? So obviously you know this is from the exit Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare's masterpiece where two um, lovebirds were kept apart simply because of their last name. What's in a name? A lot. <laughs> so throughout times, names have played a powerful role in our identities as people. In antiquity, names were identifying markers to know, uh, designate who you were. 
They designated where you came from and what you did for a living. Countries reformed, dynasties and empires remembered for the names in which they were founded. Today, many parents hold significance in the names for their children. We're no exception. The name uh, Allison is a derivative of the name Alice, which is Kate's grandmother. Her middle name Marie was the middle name of my mother and my grandmother. The name Allison in the French and German means noble. In Greek it means truth. And Cara in the Latin means dear. In Italian it means beloved one. In Irish it means friend. In Vietnamese it means diamond. In Norwegian, it's a derivative of the parent name Catherine. In Greek, it means pure, and it is a derivative of the Greek word charis, which means grace. What's in a name? A lot. So much so that, that we wonder even at the, at the very name given our Savior. Notice something with me today. Only the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, go back and check, but it's true. Only those two give accounts of the birth of Jesus. Now even these accounts are slightly different, right? Matthew is written more from Joseph's perspective and Luke is written mainly from Mary's perspective of the birth event. But while there are many differences between the two Gospels, there is one important thing in which they agree. His name is to be called Jesus. In Luke we read it above. In Matthew, it's out of 1, verse 21, it says, She will bear a son, you are to name him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. What's in a name? A lot. <laughs> it's recorded twice. So, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if it's written more than once in Scripture, it's for a reason. It's probably because it's important. Even though it's multiple offer, authors, it's important for each one of us. There's something else that we need to take notice. It wasn't Mary and Joseph who chose this name for this child. God is the one who named this child. When God provided a name, a new name, it was because God had made that person for something more. It was a sign that signified the transformation in identity and the path of that life would now take. Names given by God are symbolic of God's ordained mission for that person. A mission to be an ambassador, a, a representative, a, a living vessel, a savior of God's grace of God's goodness, of God's love, of God's hope, of God's righteousness, all in 
this world. When God gives a name, there's a reason behind it. Some examples, God changed Abram's name to Abraham as a sign of the promise that he would become the father of many nations. God, through Jesus, would change Simon's name to Peter or to Petros, which means the rock. As in, on this rock, I will build my church. There are others of significant meaning, but you get the point. Perhaps none, though, as important as this the significance of the name of Jesus. So much so that we need to talk about it. It bears recognition. And so we're, we're going to talk a few different languages and get a little deep today. So strap in, because it'll be a little different than usual, but I think you'll be okay with it. So are you ready? Shake your head yes. Amen. Thank you. So good to have you back, Clyde. So Jesus, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. How many knew that? <laughs> oh, I see a couple hands. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. This name meant something to every Jewish person alive. Jesus, uh, excuse me, Joshua was Moses' successor. Joshua was born in captivity in Egypt and given the Hebrew name Hosea. Joshua's Hebrew given name was Hosea, which means salvation. How many knew that? <laughs> I didn't either, don't worry. <laughs> the Hebrew... <laughs> <coughs> yes, sir. Joshua's Hebrew given name was Hosea, meaning salvation. So being a slave, his name conveyed hope to his people. He would assist Moses later in leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt through the 40 years in the wilderness and into their promised land. I don't need to give you the rundown on Joshua, hopefully. If so, please go back and read Exodus. I encourage you to do so because Joshua is an intricate part in the, who Jesus would become and who he was named after. Joshua's story is important. <clears throat> and so at the end of the 40 years in the wilderness as they're going into the promised land, right before sending Hosea <clears throat> and Caleb out to scout the land upon arrival, we read this in multiple passage across numbers. The Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each of their ancestral tribes, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. <clears throat> he lists out multiple tribes, and then we get to this one. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, son of Nun. These were the names of the men whom Moses sent out to spy out the land. And Moses changed the name of Hosea, son of Nun, to Joshua. What does it mean when God changes a name? It's symbolic. It means something. What's in a name? A lot. 
the name Joshua, <clears throat> the proper, uh, the, the name, uh, it comes from two words. The name Joshua comes from two words. We're going to break this down further, so lean in just a little bit more and follow with me, okay? This is where it gets really interesting, really cool. The name Joshua is the Hebrew this. If you can read that today, you get to finish the sermon. <laughs> so, let's break this down. These are the Hebrew letters. Yod, Hey, Wa, and Hey. So to pronounce it, it's Yod, Hey, Wa, Hey. Yod, Hey, Wa, Hey. If you're really good, you can say it like it's supposed to be said. <laughs> I can't get that quick. But here's where it gets full. These four Hebrew letters, read from right to left, or yod hey wad hey, transliterated into the English, it appears like this. Ah, something a little more familiar, right? We call this the Tetragrammaton. The Tetragrammaton, it's just a fancy word, I wanted you to know what we called it. We get at least two pronunciations out of this. We get the pronunciations Jehovah and Yahweh. Jehovah and Yahweh. These were the proper names given to God, our Lord. The new combined name, therefore, from Hosea, meaning salvation, changed to Joshua, combined means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Do you see the progression? Are you with me this morning? Say amen. It's confusing, but I wanted you to see the progression this morning because it's that important. What's in a name? <laughs> a lot. Joshua, to be named that, would have been significant. People would have identified that. Their ears would have perked up, right? <laughs> the Lord is salvation. Also, other meanings we get is God saves. God saves. So when Moses died, it was Joshua whom God chose as their leader. He is the one who, God, who led them out of, out of the wilderness into the promised land. Through Joshua, God saved their people from a life of futility and a life of death in the wilderness, brought them into the land of the living, flowing with milk and honey, a land of hope and promise, a land that would become the center of God's grace. Through the leadership of this man whose name means the Lord is salvation, Israel became a light for the world, a vine planted by God in the soil of the Middle East, destined by God to bring life to the nations. When the angel announced the name Jesus, it was a sign that this was the one who would bring salvation to God's people once again. It had meaning. It had the, all the essence of having your ears poke up and the hair on the back of your neck stand up as soon as you heard the name 
but it would bring meaning in a way and manner that no ordinary human being could bring. This time, the one who bears the name, meaning the Lord is salvation, is actually the Lord of salvation in the flesh. God with skin on. But why, Pastor? Why would God need to send Jesus? Is that ever a, a deep question you had to ask? Why did we need Jesus? Why would God need to come as the one whose name means God saves? Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because it's a great question. Just like before with Moses and with Joshua, God sent Jesus to save God's people. God sent Jesus to save God's people. This time, though, it wasn't from the bondage of captivity, literally in slavery, but from the bondage of the captivity of self. Did you hear that? From the bondage of the captivity of self. Everything about Jesus was pointing towards the cross. And not just the cross, but what he saved us from on that cross. Ourselves. Our sins. God knew we needed more than just a teacher in this world. God knew that we needed more than just a healer. God knew we needed more than just a counselor or a prophet. God knew we needed a savior. We needed Jesus. To save us from ourselves. The angel in Matthew declared. He will save his people from their sins. Our sins. Now let's, let's take a moment. Let's make sure we're on the same page with this four letter word. A sin is simply anything that comes between us and God. It is anything that creates a rift between us and God. It is anything that creates a chasm with us on one side and God on the other. That's all it is. That's the only way we can define it. To name what a sin is, that's not our place and none of our business. We shouldn't even think we have the audacity to name what a sin is. That is God's job. Someone say amen. A sin is simply anything that God deems separates us from God. Now here's the other question. Are you ready? Who are God's people? Who are God's people? Those who believe in his name and for why he was named. Names mean something. (laughs) What's in a name? (laughs) A lot. Once we believe in the name of Jesus, We, too, are given a new name. Did you know that you had a new name? Once we believe in the name Jesus, we, too, are given a new name. And it's the highest name that anybody can bear. Once we claim the name of Jesus as Savior, then we, too, claim the name Christian. Christ follower. We claim the name Christian. I wonder this day, 
what would it look like for us to fully claim and experience the richness of this name? This season. What would it look like for us individually to really focus in on the name Jesus and what it means for all of us as Christians this season. And better yet, when we do and realize what it's calling us to do to be the children of God for the children of God, what will it cause us to do in the name of Jesus? My prayer is that it will call us to love. It will call us to hope. It will call us to be joyful. It will cause us to bring peace into the world. It will cause us to let people know, no matter where they come from, no matter why, that they matter to God because God came for them. How will we spread that word this season? That's the gospel message, folks. What's in a name? A lot. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hear now the invitation to Holy Communion.